My name is Matt Brown. Thank you so much for being my friends. And let's start the show. And what we are here for in the end is to put food on the table for our families, our sons, the future. That's what's important. everybody this is the productive conversations podcast my name is matt brown and i am so happy that you are all here today tuning whenever and wherever you're listening to this podcast i hope everybody is safe it is monday november 23rd 2020 and it's thanksgiving week obviously it is a very different thanksgiving than we're used to but we're still adjusting we're still doing our best and we're still striving out here so today we have a very special guest My first ever celebrity guest. It is WHSV's Shadona Valley's, an ABC affiliate. I have Brian Schwartz on the program today. He is a sports anchor. He is the weekend sports anchor and reporter for WHSV in Shadona Valley, Virginia. And he is quite the sophisticated individual, a great communicator, an awesome reporter, and a great TV personality that I plan to see going far i really think he has a great niche to him he's a great personality he's him and we coerced we talked and now he's on the show for a very very insightful talk about the sports world in particular and how he became a journalist going straight from the from Quinnipiac University to reporting to the great people of Shadona Valley, Virginia. Very impressive. Uh, the man works hard, the man grinds and this is only beginning the only the beginning for him. So once he becomes a huge star at the peak of his powers and careers and influence, I'm glad I was able to have an hour and a half of his time. And you all will too. So here he is, WHSV's very own Brian Schwartz. We have a real treat here, ladies and gentlemen. I can honestly say I have my first celebrity guest. Somebody who I met recently this, or no, last year. Somebody who I've only talked to in person technically one other time. But I've been staying in touch for a long time with him amongst our group chat. And... He is a guy I have a lot of respect for. I'm really excited to see who, where he's going. And it's an, truly an absolute honor to have WHSV's Brian Schwartz on the Productive Conversation podcast today. What's going on, Brian? What's up, Matt Brown? I'm excited to be here. Excited to do this with you. Sweet. So, as I said, this is my first celebrity guest. Brian is a weekend sports anchor and a reporter for WHSV. That's correct, right? Mm-hmm. An, a- an ABC affiliate in Shadona Valley, Virginia. And he joined the team this year in June 2020. And he's done a lot of great reporting so far. And I've been following him and see what he's done. So, first things first, Brian, how is it? You, how is your world of journalism going right now amongst this pandemic? 
Uh, well, I will say it's different. Um, it's, uh, it's very different from what I expected it to be, um, mm-hmm. going throughout college. Um, I mean, I'm also doing a lot more news than I ever thought I would do, which right. is a lot different than what I, obviously what I thought. Um, but it's definitely an interesting and rewarding experience. Um, definitely learning a lot about, you know, how local governments, local schools make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how local sports teams make decisions now with what's going on as they try to get back out onto the field. Um, and we're kind of patiently waiting for that to come back. So it's been very different, but, um, but so far so good. How about that? So, yeah, like, as you said, so you go for you graduate in May and then right away in June, you already found your next job, uh, in first job in the real world. And a, it seems from my research, a very highly respected news affiliate and, I mean, that's really cool, Brian, and really impressive. Can you ask me, how did you go from, so by the way, you're a graduate of Quinnipiac University. So how yep. do you go from reporting at Quinnipiac to a legitimate ABC affiliate in the great state of Virginia? How did that process work exactly? Yeah, well, a lot of it I credit to what I did at Quinnipiac, like with student media. Um, I was a big part of our student run TV station at Quinnipiac and that mm-hmm. kind of helped me build my reel, you know, the last couple of years where um, I was kind of doing what I'm doing now, just doing it in college and mm-hmm. for free, obviously not actually as a job. Um, but being able to have those experiences kind of set me up for, you know, this opportunity and hopefully the opportunities to come um, to kind of just lay the foundation of, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how the job is done in the real world. And okay, now that you can do it here, you could do it in the real world. So um, just kind of credit to Quinnipiac, credit to Q30 TV and um, the Quinnipiac Bobcat Sports Network, all that stuff um, that I did in college that kind of set me up for this um, now in my young adult career. How about that? So after you make your reel, do you go out and send it out to news directors? Do you make a, do you tag them in your YouTube pages? How did that, how did you get the attention of WHSV? Um, yeah. So, you know, throughout the last couple months of school, I was kind of putting together some of my best work and put it into a reel. Um, and then as we kind of went along towards graduation, I began kind of applying to places all over the country. Um, ultimately I, I kind of wanted to stay, um, relatively close to home, hopefully on the East coast. Um, and after, you know, about two months of applying to places, interviewing places, um, getting some offers, um, I was down to two and this one just seemed like the right fit, um, where, um, it was not that far from home. It's a, a pretty good sports area. And um, the the people at the station seemed to be a good fit for myself, so I felt like this was uh, this was a good opportunity, and I'm thankful that it that it came right away, right after graduation. How about that, Brian? Seriously, I really commend you on that. That is very very impressive. And so you go from Quinnipiac, you're from Stanford, you move down to Sedona Valley, Virginia. How how long is that exactly distance distance? Six wise? hours. Six, Six hours. hours. See, it's doable. Yeah. Think of it as a, think of it as six 
regular podcasts or three longer podcasts and stuff like that. That's how I look at it. Something like that. So you go down to Virginia, you settle in. Can you tell me like now you go from Q30 and that network, and now you're going to a huge local network. How was that? You, you explained how you got that, that uh, prior reporting prepared you for that. But when you're actually putting your suit on, when you get your makeup, when you're actually on camera, how did that feel exactly that you are going to be somebody's weekend, weekend source for news? How does that feel, man? Especially yeah. when it first started. Yeah, it definitely feels cool. I and mean, the first time I went on, uh, went on air here, I kind of was so all over the place because I was just dealing with everything going on. And I yeah. kind of going on air part actually came second nature. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just, you know, reading the teleprompter mm-hmm. going on air. Um, but you know, once you start to get into it, you just kind of, um, uh, feel more natural about it. It just kind of feels just like an everyday thing. Like, when I go on air now, like I'm not even think to be honest, I'm not even thinking about the people behind the camera, the people, you know, that are watching at home and just kind of me and the camera are having a conversation. That's kind of how I think about it. Um, but yeah, when you, when you kind of step away from the camera and you, you know, I go home and they have the, the replay of the newscast goes on at midnight mm-hmm. and I'll turn it on and I'll be like, huh, that's me. I wonder how many people are, you know, watching me the way that I'm watching me right now. It's a, it's, it's cool to think about. It's, it's a little strange to be honest, but, yeah. uh, you know, just to see my face on my TV, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I'm kind of getting used to it now. And, uh, it, it's definitely cool. Really turning and transforming into a professional. I'm sure your family, friends, and your significant others, um, are very, very proud of you. And I am myself and, you know, some of the store, you know, how has it been, you know, I, uh, finding some of the stories like i said your specialties in uh in sports but you said that you have been transitioning to news a little bit too trying to dip your toe on all these ponds whether i saw you writing about harrisburg this harrisburg school system trying to uh figure out how to get in-person learning ago a lot of jm uh james madison university coverage seeing you talk about the staunton schools uh Although you've been really all over the place in that um, impressive county, I'm sure, of Virginia. How has that been trying to find stories and, and such like that? I think the, the hardest part about doing news reporting, especially in a smaller market like this, is finding the stories. Um, and that's kind of what um, I've learned so far doing news to me. And the actual reporting of it is not that it's easy, but like, I do it. And it's, it's the same sort of style as reporting on sports. It's just, yep. it's just a different topic. It's a news topic. Um, but in a smaller market where there's not really as much news going on, like, you know, like when we're home, it's New York city news. There's mm-hmm. constantly there's stuff going on. Whereas here, you know, a city council meeting on a Tuesday night is one of the, is the biggest story <laughs> in the area. Um, whereas, you know, your Norwalk, you know, city council, do you even know who those five people are? Probably not. I only know one of them by name, but you're right. I I should follow my local (laughs) news a little more. (laughs) Right. So, you know, here, those are the big stories. So that's kind of what I've adjusted to, you know, learning about those. And, um, I really like doing the, the 
school stories now, especially because uh, yeah. um, I feel like that mixes well with sports. And that's something that clearly uh, right now everybody's impacted by whether students are going in person, virtual, whatever it is. So um, I think those are the important ones. And um, I like being able to report important news to people, you know, stuff that people want to hear because when it's stuff that's, you know, boring and it's not really news and it's just like, all right, whatever, I'm going to change the channel as, as a reporter, as an anchor, as, you know, eventually a a personality that I want to be, you kind of want to be, you know, people want to, you want people to be interested in what you're going to be talking about. And I, and you know, somebody who comes from afar and doing research on you, I think you have some great um, things to lure stories in. I also like how you write the stories too. Um, I like your vocabulary choices and such like that. So keep up with the good work. And I know you're going to do that. And, you know, one thing seeing the, uh, seeing some in your area, seeing some of the student athletes, seeing them grow. Is there anybody you th- has caught your eye? I mean, we have, we did have Ben, De- Ben DiNucci, who's from JMU, James Madison, and he did play for the Cowboys this season after Dalton and Dak went down. So I'm sure that must've been an accomplishment for your area. Do you see any other athletes that uh, maybe we might see go places? Yeah, Ben DiNucci was cool. I never got to see him play here, obviously, because he graduated, um, you know, the same time I graduated. So as mm-hmm. I was coming here, that's when he was leaving. But um, that weekend was really cool here because the kind of, you know, the JMU community is a big part of what makes up Harrisonburg in this little area. Yeah. And everybody was kind of really excited to see him play. And, you know, that's a guy that they saw every Saturday, you know, right, right down the street from here. And now he's playing on Sunday night football. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was really cool. In Virginia, I haven't been able to see a lot of the younger student athletes just because they haven't played sports yet. Um, We've done a good amount of coverage of West Virginia high school football because in our viewing area, we have four high schools that are kind of right over the border of West Virginia where we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like how the New York market has Stanford and Norwalk and you know, those types of things. We have a couple counties in West Virginia that we cover as well. So on Friday nights, we've been able to cover some of those teams. Um, They're interesting because they run the ball so much. And in college and and the pros, obviously, which is what I'm used to, I'm not really used to paying close attention to high school. You know, you're used to guys airing it out, throwing 300, 400 yards quarterbacks when, you know, they're maybe passing the ball six, seven times a game, which is just – so different and kind of what I've learned from watching a lot of youth sports now. So it was like real old school, like almost like 60s, 70s football before they had those gunslingers um, way back when, almost like a Franco Harris types and stuff like that. Interesting, interesting perspective. Um, one thing I do want to ask too regarding your you and your industry specific. So as a journalist who is both has experience doing news and news and sports, you're a modern you are modern day Keith Olbermann in that sense. But um, let me ask you one thing: one term that has really grown over the past few years is the term fake news. And we have seen plenty of examples of that maybe being the case, you know, especially amongst the Trump administration that we have seen instances of stories that may not be 100 percent accurate. Some stories that have been reported a little too soon and some people who just have a judgment to 
assume that even on well-respected uh, journalists, out, journalists outlets and stuff like that, that some people just don't believe it. They believe is literally fake news. As a legitimate journalist, and I can already say a well-respected one, how do you feel about that term? How, do you, how does someone who actually reports and you know put a lot of time and effort, how do you feel when there's a portion of people who just will jump to conclusions and assume it's fake or wherever? I think that's a, it's a very touchy topic and it's difficult to kind of uh, explain as the mm-hmm. journalist, you kind of, I mean, me personally, I can see some of the both sides where, uh, you know, look, the majority, 99% of the news that people report on reporters, journalists report on is true. And that's the yeah. truth and everything, you know, there are the very small instances of it being wrong or you know, of it being fake or whatever it is, but it, the majority of the time, that's just not true. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just got to be careful with, as, as a reporter, you got to be careful with what you're reporting on. You have to make sure it's factual. You have to make sure it's important. You have to make sure um, you're not putting any opinions in it. And, and I think, yeah. you know, especially we uh, at my station, we do a good job of that where, mm-hmm. you know, there's no bias, there's no opinions, there's nothing at all like that where anybody can even remotely assume that it's fake. Um, you know, there are some of the larger networks that put a lot of opinion and bias <laughs> into what they do. And that's why people, you know, view it as fake. And unfortunately, that's why they've come to call it fake news um, when in reality, most of the time it's not. Um, So it is sad to think about, especially as a part of the industry that people don't respect what we do. And and I know it's a small portion of the population that people don't respect it, but the people that don't respect it, uh, you know, have to understand both sides and have to understand that there's a very small population of journalists that aren't doing the right thing but the far wide majority of them are. So, you know, you just kind of have to be an individual independent mind about it and, and really be able to evaluate it on your own as to whether, okay, this is clear bias or this is actual news. And, you know, what I personally stand for is, you know, unbiased news. I'm not putting my opinion out there as an, as a journalist if I'm an on-air personality, if I'm a talk show host, absolutely, I'm going to give my opinion. Um, yeah. But as the reporter on camera at a local news station, there's none of that. No, I completely agree with you. And like my experience and my background is on the production. I've worked in news production, both for audio and visual. And I think I I actually, I happen to be interning at CNN when fake news was coined and started to really get a, um, really get, you know, heard. And yeah, that's the only thing we have to remember is those people who really, who seem to believe that have the loudest voice for it too. And that just makes, you know, could make a normal Joe Schmo believe that. But I think, you know, journalists have a reputation to uphold. That's why they won't want to, if you're a legitimate reporter, don't want to report something fake. Um, I mean, there's just simply for the sake of having a job, you don't want to be reporting because that can get you in a lot of heat. And I'm somebody who really believes in the news and strong and 
I care about it. I really do and all media in general. So I really understand and hear you what you're saying with that. And we just, and I just put my best foot forward and trust that those journalists, whether the ones I follow or not follow, they're doing the right thing. So uh, lots of props for saying that and making that a little clear. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, you just got to be, be smart with what you're watching. You know, you can easily tell if something (laughs) biased, um, you just kind of have to pick and choose. Do I want to listen to the biased and believe into that? Or do I want the unbiased, you know, news and that's what you're going to trust. And, you know, that's what the far majority of the population enjoys and embraces about news reporting. And that's why it is so important because it's giving you that, you know, unbiased viewpoint of, okay, here's what's going on. This is what you need to know. And that's what the audience is taking in. Exactly. Big things don't, don't make things as an audience member seem so deep or serious. Just trust the process in that. That's what I like to say to any viewers getting their news and media now. And, uh, you know, it's always funny. It's always funny when I see tweets of non-journalists and they somehow go viral and someone will take their story literal. For instance, when Carlos Beltran at the early beginning of the year and they had and amongst the Astros cheating scandal that he unfortunately was a casualty of it and lost a job with the Mets before the season. And there was some random person who said, claimed that they were related to Beltron. And I think either they said that his niece, they either said that, um, that he quit or was fired or was involved somehow, but some, so many people legitimately believed it. And, and like hearing like our WFAN, guys talking of trying to figure out the story amongst on the air it's just interesting that that's the world we're in we're not in the walter cronkikes uh and uh tom bergeron not tom bergeron's but um i think it was name at the moment but you know that classic old school very few um sources but you knew that they were the right ones you know i mean look everybody can be a journalist now with the way <laughs> that social media is and the way that you know the media landscape is now and Again, it's the same thing. You know, you have to pick and choose um, who is the correct unbiased source. I mean, look, we just had, you know, the NBA draft last night as we record this Thursday, um, NBA free agency beginning, and you got all these random bloggers and whoever they, (laughs) I mean, who who knows who they are? And they're the ones that are um, saying, you know, this guy's traded this place, this guy's going this place. And in reality, who do they know? You know, are they getting this... Are they copying it from someone else? Are they, do they actually have a source? We don't know. So, you know, the quote unquote journalists uh, or expert, I think you're more like to see those experts who claim that they, this is going there. And you right. could, or if you're, unless you're someone like Colin Coward who could literally say whatever and the, his absurdity takes and reports there's there's not a lot of people like him who could get away with it and uh yeah you just have to trust the sources trust your your woges your jeff passens your adam Schefters, like those guys and i mean if we're talking particularly for sports but um yeah it's gonna be all right news will get better and uh Remember to do the right thing and trust those who don't want to mess up their opportunity as a journalist. So I'm going to transition talking about your time at WHSV. Now I'm interested and really interested. You worked, you were at one time working for WFAN, the flagship sports 
radio sports radio network in the New York metropolitan area. So tell me, first things first, um, what did you do there? Were you an intern? Were you a board op? Uh, what were you doing over there? I began as an intern. I was an intern summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got, got hired again. I think it was around November of that same year. Um, part-time, part-time, um, as a tape board operator, Great. um, with WFN and CBS sports radio, since they share the same studios. Yep. Um, so I was kind of there when I was on break from school, when I, it was in the summer winter break, uh, you know, long weekend, I would go back there if they needed help. Um, uh, did a lot of holiday time stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, those were, I, I really, really, really enjoyed my time there, obviously, because, you know, WFN is what I grew up on, what I listen to mm-hmm. every day still. Um, you know, my time there was awesome. Yeah, that's, I don't know if you know this, I was a Sirius XM intern and uh, yeah. did, did summer 2015. So I know how to work my way around a board op and uh, take and screen calls and stuff like that. So I did that. I worked for Sirius Progress specifically and uh, the Michael Edges Cinderella show and everything I learned there made this podcast possible. Like, I don't know, do you use Adobe Audition at WFAN for, for anything? They do use Audition for some things. Um, yeah, okay. They use a different software, but Audition is on their computers, yeah. Okay, so, well, that's how I learn this grasp and those cool things. But, yeah, I do really do think from even all my work in TV that Sirius really was my absolute favorite place to work because it's just so relaxing. Um, it's still – it's so awesome to see that radio is still viable, especially transitioning well to the Internet on all generations and – uh, like I said, me too. I also grew up sure with Mike and the Mad Dog. Sure, you heard with your pops and uh, or ever, and got big old. With, we got we've seen Big Mike. Whether you're fans, uh, my Fred Sessa, Joe and Evan, now Joe and Carton, Boomer and Carton, um, and all the great personalities there. And uh, actually, I don't. We've briefly talked about this, but I had my friend who um, had his episode come out today, Danny Lynch. I don't know if you remember him. He also briefly was a part-timer at WFAN, maybe around the same time you were. Do you, by any chance, does that name ring a bell? The name sounds familiar. I don't remember if we had ever met or not. Um, Just because, again, like as a part-timer, you're there. The most odd times, the most odd days, the most odd times. Uh, The name does sound familiar, though. Awesome. Well, hopefully I can bring you guys to the room. Now now he's working. Now he's in L.A. He's working for the Pac-12 Network as a producer. So. Do good stuff there, but what were some of the shows you worked on? Particular, were you board op in or working on? So I, um, I never worked on a specific show um, mm-hmm. specifically because I was kind of you know again all over the place. Those holidays were you know different shows all the time. Yeah. Um, but as a as a tape op, I was there a lot of nights. That Steve Summers was working, um, mm-hmm. so working Smooth. with him was pretty cool. Yeah, Schmooze. He's a he's a classic. Um, <laughs> really, really, really nice guy. Um, interesting to work with, but he he's a really good guy, and um, it was cool to cool to listen to him a lot, and you know, learn a lot about radio from him, and you know, the way that he does his monologues at, at the beginning of his show <laughs> with all the sounds and you know the audios that the audio producers put together. It's really interesting to, to listen to him and see him. So I was able to work with him a lot. Um, 
you know, worked some with, with JJ, uh, Tony page before he retired, um, was there a lot of, you know, the Saturday night show that he did. Um, I was there a lot and then was there a lot for Sunday football, um, CBS sports radio, especially with some of that. Um, yeah, no, I was able, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of them. Um, when I was an intern, I did a little bit with Boomer and Geo, um, sat in the uh, control room with Alan Eddie a couple of times. That was a lot of fun. When Um, they, when they had their show on CBS network and, uh, do you think, can we see a little glimpse of you if we went back to saw the tapes? Those, yeah, the nice. I forget how many times I did it. Was two or three times that I sat in the control room with with Al and Eddie, and yeah, you could see me in the back there. It was cool. All right, sweet, sweet. Um, and how you how do you feel about where radio's going now and the transition and stuff? Uh, do you like I said? I think it, it really is here to stay as long as people have cars, and I don't think cars will ever go away. So yeah. you you think radio's uh still still in a good place i think radio is in a great place right now and and specifically i mean you know coming from the wfan the intercom parent company background where where i've worked um they do a great job and and what they're doing a lot now with their app uh, making it readily available for you anywhere i think that just even expands it even more so to be honest i think radio is growing i think it's becoming even bigger than what it was where, you know, you know, the people that listen in the car are always going to listen in the car. Yep. Now you have, you know, the people like listen on their phones on the computer. They're starting a lot, you know, live streaming the shows on video on the computer. So, you know, you're at work and you can put it on, throw it on the computer and watch them talk. Uh, yeah, no, I think radio is a great place. I think it's only going to continue to grow with the way that social media is yep. um, with the way that live stream events um, yeah, no, they're, they're in a good place and they're going to continue to grow with, with all that's kind of coming in this media landscape now. Yeah. I was going to say like when you have also the extra social media aspect to get the clips, whether it's the famous fun house showing, um, the funny side of radio and the yeah. absurd coward takes, but you know, another shout out to him. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just cool to see where it goes. Radio.com app is great. Just sometimes it, it, it has buffering issues to drive me crazy, but I don't give up on it to fix it. So, uh, it's what a have buffering issues. <laughs> right. Right. So give it to them. it's a good time to be alive with that. So before we get into some more fun stuff and we were talking about your career media interests, where, where do you think, where do you see yourself, Brian? I know this is quite an interesting time because of the pandemic, but assuming post COVID world, where do you like to see yourself go? Do you want to, go back into radio? Do you want to be the next SVP? Do you want to uh, uh, be a big podcaster? I think you definitely have all the the skills and talents that, and I'm sure with that experience, you could get to any of those options. What do you see yourself? What are you interested in at this time to see yourself for your future and your career, Brian? I think the, the big eventual goal is to be, you know, the big sports personality, whether it's a mm-hmm. Colin Coward type, a Mike Francesa type, but you know, even a Scott Van Pelt type, um, to kind of have your own show and be able to have your own platform, um, to give your opinions about, you know, sports specifically me, obviously a huge New York sports guy. I think New York sports would be my calling. Um, yeah. whereas that's what I'm most passionate about. Um, 
Yeah, no, I think that that's obviously, you know, the big time goal um, is to be in New York, be in the New York metropolitan area, um, being able to have my own platform talking sports. I think that would be, uh, that'd be the goal. Well, you know, there's plenty of people who've gone elsewhere and have come back, whether you're a mad dog started out in Florida and uh, now is killing it with his own channel at Sirius. Howard Stern started in Hartford, then Detroit, then New York. And well, Brian, I'm sure that me and my listeners will can't wait to see where you're going with that. So really great stuff with that. So I want to get into some lighter things. Brian. We like sports. That's really? literally, if sports wasn't a thing, we wouldn't be here because we're amongst a sports chat. I mean, whether it's the NBA draft, trying to finish the NFL season, seeing where your your Mets are going with new Stevie Cohen as the owner, uh, whatever the heck the NHL is doing, uh, Dustin Johnson wins the Masters. They just announced a new UFC fight in uh, for Conor McGregor's fighting again. Hopefully... Uh, Tyson Fury and JJ start to fight. If you're in the WWE sports entertainment, they have their thing. First things first, Brian, what do you think is the most interesting thing in sports right now? For me personally, yes. it's what the Mets do this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, just because baseball is my number one. The Mets are my number one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so intrigued by what Steve Cohen has and what he can do and hopefully they have a new front office in place in the next week or two so that they can really start getting into this off season. Obviously the Robinson Cano news came out yesterday mm-hmm. and as you know, sad as it is that his career as a Met is probably going to be over now, but what are they going to do next? You know, you have an extra $24 million. You have an open hole at second base. Now you can move guys around. You can make a big trade. You can add a big free agent. So for me personally, that's what I'm going on Twitter to see every single day. Um, in, in the big world of sports, obviously the NFL season is, is more than halfway done. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody can beat the Chiefs because obviously they're still probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the NBA draft last night, you know, the NBA season coming up Obi. in about a month. Yeah, Obi Toppin is big yes. for the Knicks. James Harden, if he's going to go to the Nets. Uh, yeah, no, th- I mean, this is – this is a great time for sports, even though there's only one actually playing right now. Um, yeah. you know, we thought it would be a bit of a quieter period after NBA and baseball and the NHL finish, um, but it is not quiet at all, which is no, good. No, no, no. So why don't we go and you're a fan of the New York Metropolitans. The, your day it came. The Wilpons sold the Mets. Steve Gowen comes in. You hit on what you're excited about with uh, – the, probably literally your most exciting offseason ever and just seeing what they can build upon because they were did compete if they won if they won out there last weekend they would have made one of the final playoff spots so you can only go up from here it looks like they are going to keep Luis Rojas firstly how about that do you think it's the right move to keep Luis Rojas I think it's it's difficult to make that decision. I think mm-hmm. it's fine. I'm fine with keeping him. I have no problem with keeping him. There would, he didn't do anything wrong in his first year. Um, but he also didn't, you know, amaze me with what he did. Yep. But also, again, it's tough. It's a 60-game season. Um, you know, he had no pitching. They, they didn't give him a very good starting, starting pitching staff. He had the Syndergaard injury. He had Stroman 
uh, opt out. So he didn't really have a chance with a good starting pitching rotation, which obviously is extremely important. Um, so he didn't have the resources in his first season. And again, it was a 60 game season. Who knows what would have happened if they had a hundred more games. Yep. Uh, the players obviously really like him. He's been a part of the organization for such a long time. So I'm fine with giving him the chance for this year. Um, I, I, and also, I mean, Sandy Alderson has had a, a relationship with him for a while going back yep. the last couple of years in the Mets organization. So I'm cool with giving him another chance. I think the players really respect him. And I think that's, that's the number one thing is that the players like playing for him. Yeah. And he's first year, it he was first year manager. You know, you learn. I mean, we've seen right now, like, you know, different sports, the Dallas Cowboys are a literal mess. And a lot of people are saying the locker room is such a mess. And they, some might, some say they don't even like to play for Mike McCarthy. And that's a perfect example of why you need a manager who, you want to play for and do well for. So I will say about, I will say about that though, not Mike McCarthy's fault. They don't have a defense. That is acquire, true. You need to acquire draft players. So as much as the locker room is is a mess, it's it's a mess because of the the way that the players don't respect him. But they don't yeah. respect him because they're losing. And why are they losing? Because they don't have a good defense. No, no skills. If everyone was just had the skill of Brian Jones, but um, it's just been tough. But we could definitely go on that NFC East a little later. But stick in the baseball. Um, now, you said the offseason. Robinson Cano loses a year from getting caught with PEDs for a second time. Extra 20, what, extra 24 million? still pretty solid so you guys you can i mean you are a unique situation my question i'm I'm about to ask you might even just say just go both what do you prefer do you get a new position player replace that second get that second base filled whether you transfer mcneil over and maybe you go get a nolan arenado at third for to get a trade francisco lindor um or get your a new center fielder at george springer or or another catcher in JT Real Muto, which seems to be more of a priority, at least what I think, uh, when it comes to getting a position player. Or are you going to try to get a um, starting pitcher? Are you going for the big the big name in Trevor Bauer? We also have Zach Greinke available. We have Masahiro Tanaka available and all those guys. What do you say, Brian? Do you, should they focus on a position player or a pitcher? Or in this rare case, because Steve Cohen is just so wealthy, you can just go for both. It's got to be both. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be both, especially in his first offseason. They're going to want to make a splash, uh, but they're not going to want to make the splash that they did two years ago, acquiring Cano for a top <laughs> prospect. They yeah. need... They need starting pitching clearly, and they need you know extra help on the offensive side. So I think I think the focus is probably on Trevor Bauer at, to get him to bring him okay. in uh, with Nick Degrom to have the, the double ace pairing, and then you go for one of the other offensive players, whether it's Lindor, Arenado, Springer, Real Muto. If it were me personally, I'm all in for Francisco Lindor, and if you can't get Lindor, then you go for Springer. Just because I like JT Romuto, he's a fantastic player, and I know that money isn't an issue now, but I would be a little weary of locking up a catcher for five or six years, which mm-hmm. is probably what it's going to take, when you could probably just go down to that next tier of you know, the James McCann-type player that's also yeah. a free agent, who's probably going to be you know two years, $25 million, whatever that is. 
um, and you stick him in the eighth spot in the lineup, and I think you're you're fine. So I think I think you got to get the top flight starting pitcher, whether it's Bauer or you know you go down to the next level of Tanaka or Jake Odorizzi, someone like that. And you also got to get that premier offense player to stick in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, you know, adding exciting players. Uh, hopefully, Alonzo has a bounce back year since he had a literal sophomore slump. See what you, if the DH is coming back, you can have Dom Smith to be comfortable with. Obviously, Jeff McNeil is the man, and another year of Conforto. It's an exciting time for your New York Mets. It really is. But I will say, if this, if DJ LeMahieu, I'm a Yankee fan, as you know. My priority is to keep him. But now, with Cano being out, he is he can be a good fit for the Mets. And that would really – I'm not a Yankee fan who hates the Mets. I should be a Met fan. I'm literally born to be – my everyone in my family is a Met fan. My dad's a Met fan. I just went to a Yankee game first and just fell in love in that sense. So, uh, But with the Mets, right? Do you do you think DJ LeMahieu will come to the Mets? Oh, I, no. I certainly hope not. Well, that's great news for me to hear. I think <laughs> I think the Mets will try, uh, but I don't think the Yankees will let him go. And I think yeah, we can't. It's not to me for the Mets. It's not worth it to overpay just to outspend the Yankees. And I don't think going to do that, uh, especially with this regime. I think this regime is smart. Um, and whoever they're going to hire as the president and GM, they're going to be smart. And Lemayu's going to get a big contract, which he absolutely deserves. He oh, has had yeah. two terrific seasons for the Yankees. And for that reason, I don't think the Yankees will let him go. I think they'll match or go higher on whatever the offer is that Lemayu gets from any other team, whether it's the Mets or another team. Uh, the Yankees are not going to let DJ Lemayu walk. No, no. I'm – we this I mean he's honestly one of my favorite Yankees ever and I've only seen him play two seasons and I went to five games 2019 I've been at the last Yankee game so far with people's uh game five of the ALCS I was there and DJ LeMayu hit a home run out of this the five games I went DJ LeMayu hit a home run in all five of them so including yeah. a walk-off home run good luck, Charm. seriously that'd be a cool homie to have maybe someday hey do you also think now with the new regime you know, it was always uh, an unwritten thing that the Mets and Yankees never made deals. Do you think now we have a new? Uh, well, I mean, they've been in, they've owned the team for a while. Hal Steinbrenner's on the. It's been his show. He's run since 2010, so it's been a long, a whole decade. But now with the Cohen's regime coming in, do you think? I'm not saying they're going to trade their big their big guys together. Do you think it's more likely in the future that they may make deals? Yeah, I think it could happen. I think if it's a deal that they like that's going to help their team, I don't think I don't think that would stop them um, from dealing with the Yankees because, I mean, they're not in the same league. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're both in New York, and, you know, you don't want to send a player to the Yankees and him become a star or vice versa. But <laughs> that's what happened with yeah. Lucas Duda when back in – he was either 18 or 19 yeah. that they were – they tried to get him and the Mets didn't want him because they were going to play the Subway Series that – like the week after the deadline, they didn't want to see him uh, embarrass him. But never worked out for anyone. He went to Kansas City. Yeah, I think it happened with Jay Bruce as well. Yeah, the Mets almost traded him. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think. I think that they want to make winning moves, and if it comes with the Yankees, it comes with the Yankees. I mean, look, I would rather trade with the Yankees than trade with the Nationals or Phillies. <laughs> you know, that's person. not a thing. Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> 
look, it, those are your division teams. Those are the teams you're playing 18 times a year. Those are the teams you're competing with. I'd rather trade with I'd rather trade with the Yankees over them. You know, if a player succeeds on the other side, then good for him. Right, and you know, also stick with baseball as a whole, right? How, Brian, how do you feel about analytics? Simple as that. We'll start with that. How do you feel about it? Is it uh, relevant? Is it worth investing to? Is it better for the regular season over the playoffs? How do you feel right now about analytics? I think analytics are great for the sport. They're great for all sports. Um, yes, yes specifically baseball be, analytics. You have, to, you have to pick and choose where you use it, and you have to be consistent with your approach with them. Uh, but they are extremely important. Um, you know, look at the Rays. I mean, look how they got to, what was it, game five of the World Series, game six of the World Series? Just game six. On, yeah, game six of the World Series, you know, based on their analytical mythology, that team, you know, stacked up against the Dodgers. Nobody would think that they would compete, but because of the way that they think and they crunch the numbers and, you know, okay, this guy's going to succeed in this spot. This guy will succeed in this spot. This pitcher has to face this hitter. It worked. It, it clearly works. And they showed it this year, you know, as they do every single year. So yeah, I mean, whether it's the Rays, the A's, uh, all those teams show how important it is and, I mean, I think every team should really emphasize it in their front offices. On the contrary, though, with that, and that's very much true, a lot of credit to Kevin Cash and what they did. But we all know the now infamous moment where in game six, Blake Snell is dealing. They're approaching the third time around the order, and then Kevin Cash takes him out. And now – and he brings in a reliever and they blow the lead and they wound up losing the World Series. Now, of course, there's plenty of obstacles. It could have been a freak. It just could have been an instance of bad luck, for lack of better terms. Maybe he brought in the wrong reliever. Uh, all these factors. Now, having said that, and a lot of people are blaming, ha, this is what happens when you blame analytic, use analytics. It could cost you games in the play, playoffs. Do you think that – you think maybe people are taking that too seriously? Do you think um, – Maybe it was a mistake to take him out because the analytics said so. Or because you said analytics at the end of the day, it's all probability and the odds just weren't in the, the favor for the Rays in that particular night. Do you think that has an effect at all with, with this subject? Here's what I would say about that decision with Kevin Cash. It worked for them the entire season and you didn't hear a peep out of anybody complaining mm-hmm. about his decisions, taking pitchers out early. I mean, he did it every single game previously in that series and it worked, right? And nobody complained about it. And just when it doesn't work, that's when people complain about it. Mm. In my opinion, and I know I'm definitely in the minority on this, he had every right to take Blake Snell out with their mythology and the way that they operate their organization. It was the right move because they had done it all year. Yep. If I was in his situation, would I have done that? Absolutely not. I think that, that that's ridiculous. Blake Snell, you keep him in. But because of the way they run their organization and the way that they've operated the entire season, why would you change the way you operate the entire season? Because look, if you put a reliever in there and he gets that final out of that inning, nobody's complaining. Yeah, and, and that's why I said they, they could, he could have no. just picked the wrong guy to that game. And listen, you know, when it comes to analytics – me personally, I think analytics are great for the regular season. I think they should be better monitored and approached for the postseason. 
Like, for instance, the Blake Snell in, instance, as it seems we both agree that that was the wrong move. So I think analytics, as you said, go out in all sports, but then there's just sometimes you just have to trust your gut. And uh, we've seen plenty of examples when the gut didn't work out, you know, with no offense with Matt Harvey. It was clearly a gut decision. It took him a little too long, and we know what happened there. Or, um, you know, this 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 sad 2004 ALCS for me. They're just <laughs> messed up. And uh, or you could just with gut into the 2001 World Series where Mariano maybe came in a little too early because he came in the eighth and uh, or. Um, Stuff like that. And I think one thing about sports that everyone has to remember, sometimes the ball just rolls your way. Sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, I mean, that's the beauty of it. So that's how I feel with it. Exactly, man. So another sport we could go into, the National Football League. You're a Jets fan. I'm a Giants fan. So we know at this moment, going into week, they're getting off the bye. They're playing the Chargers this week. And uh, who also have – also had some quite devastating losses themselves. But, Brian, for the New York Jets, the 0-9 New York Jets, how are you feeling right now? Do you want to see them continue to t- – do you want them to tank for Trevor? Do you want to see them try to salvage games for pride's sakes? How are you feeling right now about your Jets? Do I want to see them tank? No. Do I think they can win a game the rest of the year? No. So it's like, I don't think they can win. So I, I really don't even think they're tanking. I think that they're, they're just that bad of an organization, that bad of a roster. The roster that Joe Douglas put together this year was just putrid and, and an embarrassment. And, you know, was he trying to tank this year to get a new quarterback? We'll never know because you're never going <laughs> to do that. But the way that he put together the roster this season – it seems like he wanted to get that top pick. So is he tanking? Maybe. Is is the roster tanking? No, they're just they just don't have enough talent. So I think they will go in sixteen. Maybe they sneak a one win out, but I mean they, they still should get the first pick at one and fifteen. Um, even if they the do win. Do they own the tiebro of the Jaguars? I just don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I I could see the Jaguars winning another game. I don't see the Jets winning another game. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to be fine. Um, and I think they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, you roll with that and, and see what he can become. And you all, all are aboard the Trevor Lawrence train. You think he, he is as touted like an Andrew Luck, a John Elway, a Peyton Manning, you know, two or three of our Hall of Famers and one had potential, but he was injury prone. But do you think he's worth the hype, Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. And I don't, I don't like to make those big opinions before they come to the NFL because, mm-hmm. you know, you never know who's going to be a bust. You know, you never know who's not going to pan out or who is going to pan out. He's, you know, one of the most highly regarded draft prospects in, in recent memory. Um, but then again, I'm also a, a, a big fan of Sam Darnold's game. And I think yeah. he's a great quarterback and I think he can become a tremendous quarterback I think he just needs to, you know, find a new situation, whether he goes to Chicago or Minnesota, uh, you know, a team that's ready to win because in his three years with the Jets, obviously he had, he missed a lot of time with injury or the mono, mono last year. He hasn't gotten, you know, the team around him that he needs or deserves as a franchise quarterback to succeed. So he needs to be put in a new situation. 
I think, and look, if you draft Trevor Lawrence, you have to put him in the right situation. You have to get and improve the offensive line. You have to get better skill position players. You have to get a premier edge rusher. You have to improve all these facets of the game to have a good team. And they have not done that within the last, you know, four, five, six years. Right. And, uh, I think it is fair criticism. And, of course, you know, not picking, you know, the personnel and coaches, remembering the best with him either. It seems, it looks like you will definitely get a new coach of personnel after this season. I mean, what if you really go all in 16, how does anybody give Gase a job again? I mean, only two other – one team has actually gone all in 16 and the other all in 14 with the Bucks in the 70s. So, I mean – We'll see history one way or another. And about my Giants, New York football Giants are somehow half a game in it at three and seven, while their other team is three, six, and one. We have seen a much improved team over the last three games, even though just losing against the Bucks and huge, two huge division wins and finally beating the Eagles, first time in four years. How are you feeling about, you know, even though you don't have a dog in this fight, do you think – the Giants among this horrible NFCs. Do you think they have a legitimate shot making winning their first division title since 2016 or not? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they definitely do. And I think Giants fans have every reason to be excited now. I mean, the winner of this division is going to win six games, you know, Milwaukee. And I think that, I mean, the Giants have a chance to win five or six games this year. I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen? The, I mean, the best part of it is that, you know, they're going to be relevant after Thanksgiving. Um, they're going to be playing meaningful you know, football games going into December. Uh, and look, the Giants still have games against the Cowboys and the Eagles the rest of the year. And as long as you win those two games, you're going to be right there in with them. I mean, the Cowboys can turn it around as long as Andy Dalton mm-hmm is okay now that he's back and healthy. I think the Giants are better than Washington and the Eagles are an absolute mess. I mean, I, I have no them. idea what's wrong with the Eagles because they're much more talented and you expect them to be much better than they are, but they're not. So I think the Giants have their coach. I think Joe Judge is going to be yep. a really good coach. You have your quarterback. Uh, you know, the, the offense has played well. You have some good receivers on that team. Wayne Gallman has run the ball pretty well. Yes. Uh, you know, and the defense has looked a lot better this year. So I, th- I think they're going to be in a good spot and they're going to compete. Hell yeah. You know, we, we play in the Bengals next Sunday. I know that Joe Burrow's exciting, but I do think we're much better than them. We play a Seahawks that have um, not been playing as well as they were coming out of the gate. I think the Cardinals are a good team. I would give it that. The Ravens, though, they've been um, trying to have an identity crisis themselves. And then we play the Browns with – um, they're an interesting mix too. So yeah, I'm thrilled. I admit to uh, having my doubts on Daniel Jones, but after even starting the Eagles at their first Eagles game, I felt much better seen as a legit offensive line, a much improved offensive line. And as you said, we're finally making holes in Wayne Gallman. I mean, Wayne Gallman has such a chip on his shoulder. He was on the team before Saquon came in and he just straight up took his job from him and he's been making some moves and, I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I, you know, wasn't used to the past few years seeing the Giants just go with the mess and with a sad end to Eli's career. But uh, it's an exciting time for football. It really, really is. And who do you think right now? What we have left of the remaining teams? You mentioned that the Chiefs are eight and one right now, and they might have a hard time. They might 
it might only be the Steelers who are in their way or even the Bills. And then with the NFC, with that interesting three-way tie of the three West Coast teams, Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks, I think any of them could uh, really make a push. Uh, sadly, no one from the NFC East. But uh, do you think um, – or I should say, who do you think is going to be the Super Bowl at, as of today? Tough, because there's a lot of teams that are that are up there, and even though the Steelers are still undefeated, I still don't see them as the favorite in the AFC. I still think it's the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I think the AFC is going to come down to one of those two teams: Steelers being the more experienced team, the Chiefs having the experience from last year, and the best overall player. Uh, so I think the AFC is going to come down to those two teams with. The Bills and look, I think the Dolphins are really good. The Dolphins yeah. are a really good. Who team. hasn't lost yet? Yeah, look, I, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card team. I don't know how far they're going to get, but their defense is really good. Tua Tagovailoa is going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. So you know they're really good. You know the Colts have played well. Who knows what Philip Rivers could do? But I think it is I interesting think, how they've been playing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, but I think the AFC is going to come down to the Chiefs and the Steelers. Um, NFC wise, it is wide open. Yeah, I mean, you take out the you take out the East. You know, you you have teams like the Packers. You can make a run. Those yep. three the NFC West. You got the Bucks. You got the Saints. Who knows what's going to happen there without Drew Brees? But that you know, that's a tough one. It could be anyone from the Bucks, the Packers, you know, the Rams, the Cardinals, or the Seahawks. I could see any of those teams coming out of the West or coming out of the NFC. Here's what I think. Uh, me personally. I'm going to go with, for my Super Bowl take, I'm going to go with the Bills and the Packers. For the Bills, despite, I mean, they, that, the way they lost against Arizona really was just, just, just a moment. You have to pat yourself on the back with somehow DeAndre Hopkins makes that catch with three well-praised and well-skilled players. And uh, he somehow made the catch with that. I think Josh Allen's legit. I mean, some of their receiving core, whether with Brown or Stephon Diggs, can make a run. I know sometimes their offensive line can be hit or miss. But I think the Bills, with the chip on their shoulder, I think Sean McDermott's an amazing coach. I think the Bills might have the Cinderella story. I'm just going to go with that feeling. And then again, with with the Packers, who just lost in the NFC Championship against the 49ers, which I was really shocked that they lost. You know, playing much better despite getting embarrassed. I think their only flaw, that real embarrassing loss to the Bucks. But I think Aaron Rodgers, again, seeing what Vontae Adams has been doing with uh, – I know sometimes their defense has a little holes in there. But I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to make um, some magic here. So maybe my, my picks are just solely based on uh, – I mean, obviously they're well-established teams, but I think they just want it more. I'm just going to go with that. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, has lost since he made the Super Bowl 10 years ago. He's made three or four NFC championships and all lost them and all lost them. Very tough, tough losses. And I think he'll be like the Nationals who lost so many close games and they just swooped in in 2019. So that's what he, I'm he wants it, especially with Jordan Love right behind him. You know, yep. he wants to get that one more. Right. He yeah, wants no, to prove I- Look, the Packers defense is good. There was all that talk. Did they had they should have gotten another wide receiver instead of Jordan Love for Aaron Rodgers? But mm-hmm. he's he's good where he's at. Their running game is great. Aaron Jones is an excellent running back. Uh, you know, Rodgers has played out of his mind this year, and Devontae Adams is the top three wide receiver in all football. So they got the team. Aaron Jones is crazy, a monster on the running game too. 
Yeah, no, that that's that's a good team that I could see going all the way as well. And he has to prove Danica Patrick wrong for breaking his heart. <laughs> and then I actually was going to say, I thought the Saints, I honestly just don't think Jameis Winston can is the guy or Taysom Hill. And I, they have won six in a row, but I just don't think they, they got the chops without Drew Brees. And I just hope he if, comes back for his sake. Right. If, if he comes back, as long as they get there and he's back, I, I would give them every chance. But yep. if it's Shane Winston going into the playoffs as the quarterback, <laughs> they, could win a, they could win the wild card round. They could win the first round, second round, but they're, they're not going to the Super Bowl with James Winston as the quarterback. Nope. Man. Do you think um, if the Saints don't make it, do you see Sean Payton moving by any chance? No shot. You think he's there I, for good staying? I think, he, I think he'll be there as long as Drew Brees is there. And I don't think Drew Brees is retiring after this year. Nope. He's got that. And then the one more contract, then he'll go uh, join Mike Tirico in the booth for NBC. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, look, he played pretty well so far this year. I mean, he wasn't, yeah. you know, Drew Brees Hall of Fame status, but he was still really good. He was still good enough to be a playoff team. So I think right. especially if he, if he can't even play the rest of this year with this injury, he's going to want one more chance to, to, to prove it to himself. Yeah. And, and then just after this talk about bad playoff losses, especially bad playoffs and losses in the NFC championship from this, from the awful call get with the Rams, to the Minneapolis miracle, they too need to need to uh, get to the next level. And then for our last sport for the, um, the National Basketball Association. You're an actual Nets fan, Brian. You could say at this moment established, you were the if Nets fan where they were the New Jersey Nets. How are you I'm feeling? One of, one of 17. One of 17 of us. <laughs> yes, and now you're going to have a whole new a whole new group of Fairweather fans joining you. I'm sure that's excited one way or another. But tell me, Brian, you have Kevin Durant coming back. You have Kyrie coming back. You have Steve Nash, and he is coming in to coach. You have might be one of the best GMs in the game in Sean Marks. Uh, just, first of all, what he already did to change that team around with D'Angelo Russell, and and they made a push, you know, sadly lost to the Sixers, and then uh, made a good push with, in the bubble with more players like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. Though he didn't play in the bubble, Spencer Dimwitty is legit too. How are you feeling, Brian? Your team's getting respect. They're the bigger, they're more of a story than the Lakers right now, who just won the title, and that's saying something. What's, what, how are you feeling about your Nets, Brian? This is the most excited I've ever been for a basketball season. And, you know, believe me, there, there's been some, you know, exciting seasons going into the Nets years, you know, especially after that the big Celtics trade a couple of years ago, as much as I hated it as soon as they made the trade and knew it was going to be a disaster. I was still excited to see them play, yeah. but no, this is, this is different. And who knows what they're going to do with James Harden, but if they keep the team the same way as it is, first of all, you have two all world talents leading the way, two guys that can lead championship teams. And then you probably have the best supporting cast with those two stars in all of the NBA. I mean, Karis LeVert as a third option, he's yeah. one of the most underrated players in the league, and everybody was able to see it in the bubble, yeah. how good he is. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie as your backup point guard. I mean, the guy's, the guy's a top 15 point guard in the NBA, and he's your backup point guard. Mm-hmm. Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan is a fantastic yep. one to launch at the five. Um, I think they need a little help, um, you know, at the, at the four position maybe, mm-hmm. someone behind Durant. Uh, they had Torian Prince last year, who's okay. 
Um, I, I would have liked to see them upgrade there through the draft. They ended up uh, uh, trading for Landry Shamit, who who's good, and he'll help the outside shooting because you always need that on, on teams like this. And I just hope they can re-sign Joe Harris because he's an exciting player to watch. Um, and he can really do more than just shoot the three, which is what he's known for. He's he's a good all-around player as well. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited to watch them. And I'm excited to see what Steve Nash can do as a, as a first-time head coach. He's put together a fantastic coaching staff around him too. Yeah, so I mean, having Mike D'Antoni as your assistant, now that's respect right there. Do you think, though, with the jokes with um... – <laughs> How legitimate? I mean, it might just be jokes around the day, but some people think that that Steve Nash will just let you know maybe more of the players do what they want, and he plays as a front like maybe a Tyrone Lue did for the Lakers, or sorry for the Cavs. Do you think that's legit, or do you think Nash is is his way or the highway? No, I think I think it's going to be about the players. Um, okay. I think I think Nash is going to be more of like you know, a veteran player on the bench than he is <laughs> a head coach. But I think that's okay because of the way the team is made up because the team is the majority veteran players where, look, I mean, how much coaching do you think Frank Vogel actually did with LeBron's <laughs> team? And yeah. it's, look, it's the same way with, with Kevin Durant. This is going to be Kevin Durant's team. And that's okay because look, we've seen it in the NBA. It works. That's, that's the way it works. I loved Kenny Atkinson. Uh, I thought he was a perfect head coach and he was perfect for that period of time that they were developing team. But now that you have the superstars, this is the type of coaching staff that you need for this type of team where, you know, the superstars respect them. The superstars are willing to listen to them, but also, the coaching staff is willing to listen to the superstars and, mm-hmm. you know, having both sides buy into each other. I think that's most important. And the thing that I like about Steve Nash is he has that relationship with these guys already. I mean, him and Durant go back a long time. Yep. Uh, you got guys like Amari Stoudemire on the coaching staff mm-hmm. and you bring some of the same guys from last year, like Jock Vaughn is going to be the lead assistant. He was, you know, the interim head coach, he was Atkinson's lead assistant. So you kind of have that, um, that that same coaching tree going on, as well as some fresh minds and guys that the stars respect. So it, it'll be fun to watch. No doubt about that. I think. I, I mean, well, I I'm a Knicks fan. You know, we have a we have Obi coming by. We have um, a news regime coming in ourselves. Uh, probably will is the most emotional connection at this moment with the Knicks. See if they can do good. We do have a playing tournament now. If they could just get that 10 seed, maybe. I mean, we still, we still, we still have a whole free agency season among us. So, who knows? I don't know. I don't. I really doubt seeing a rush coming or whatever. But um, we'll see what happens. I'm excited with Leon Rose is gonna do. Do you think the Knicks could be at least relevant, even if it's the smallest relevancy possible? You could this be honest, year? say no. Yeah. This year, no. I don't. I don't think they will be. I think they will be next year. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they, they they made the right pick with Ob Toppin um, at their pick. I think that they had two really good choices. Well, if they went with Toppin or they went with uh, Denny, however you say his last name, the guy yeah. from Israel, I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, you know, you wanted them to take a point guard at that spot, but with those two that fell to them, I think you couldn't have gone wrong with either one. I think Ob Toppin is going to be a really good player. He's got to develop a little more on the defensive side. 
but guess mm. what? You get the best defensive coach in the NBA and Tom Thibodeau now, who's right. going to play defense. So I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, they don't have a star. They don't have the go-to score, whether RJ Barrett or Obi Toppin develops into that is, you know, to be determined. Uh, that's why I don't think they will be relevant for a playoff position this year, unless they went and got a Russell Westbrook or, you know, you went out and made a big trade for a Bradley Beal or whoever it is, which I, who I don't think is going to get traded now, but uh, they're, they're starting to build that, core of young players now who are going to become that next group. Yeah. The Mitch Robinsons and the right. OBs, RJ. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I lost faith on Kevin Knox, but maybe some people are more have uh, more faith in him. Right. You got the young group. Now it's, you know, what players are you going to surround them with? Trust me. I'm a real patient. As you said, you're one of 17 net fans. I feel like I'm one of two Nick or one of five Knicks fans stayed a long way, but um, I cannot wait for the day, Brian, when the Knicks are relevant. Seriously. I got in trolls texts. I don't know since I have a phone, since I had a phone about the Knicks and uh, I can't wait for that day. I seriously, seriously. Can't I, wait. I hope the Knicks are good too, because I think a Nets Knicks basketball rivalry. Yeah. Not only is it great for the NBA, it's cool for New York. I mean, right. both of them haven't been good at the same time. I mean, the last time the Nets were, you know, a legitimately great team was in the early 2000s with Jason yep. The Knicks weren't very good then. No, so, yeah. We happened um, to play a playoff series in 04 against each other, but we got swept by you guys with the – Vince Carter, right. um, Richard Jefferson, Jason Kidd, and we, and we had Marbury as the star. And also the Nets were in New Jersey then, so they're yeah. a little less relevant there. But now, exactly. you know, now that they're in Brooklyn, if both of them can become, you know, they don't even have to become powerhouses in the NBA. Both of them can become really good teams. You know, you start to develop this big New York basketball brand. Oh, yeah. Be great for the NBA, be great for the fans, be great for New York seriously man seriously and there's a few more things um i had this idea for this just quick potpourri for the other sports that we again how you feeling i just want to list off some things can you just tell me how you're feeling about them since i have a nice expert here about who so it's just a little potpourri so i was gonna just say so for instance golf dustin johnson was the masters how you feeling about the pga for me i think we haven't had though we might not actually no um i was gonna say um, when it comes to golf, we have so many great young golfers right now in the PGA, whether Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, even, I mean, Rory's kind of been on the, uh, on the decline, but he's still who he is, who he is. I think that's the cool thing about golf right now. And it seems more people are going into it. Uh, I can't forget Brooks Kepka either. You liking the PGA? What's going on with them? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big golf guy. I love watching PGA. I mean, I watch the, the smaller tournaments as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Masters was great. I'm glad they were able to play it. Um, finally, yeah. it weird in November. Uh, but, <laughs> but it ended up being a good tournament. I wish it was a little closer at the yeah, end. Yeah, he killed uh, it. But, but Dustin Johnson was great, and, and it was really cool to see him play. And Look, I mean, Tiger Woods was in it for a while. Phil Mickelson was in it for a while. So, you know, you even have the classic guys that are in it for a while. Justin Thomas played excellent. So... And there were some young guys too that, that kind of, you know, went pretty far further than we'd expect. So, but yeah, Dustin Johnson is legit. Um, you know, I'm excited to continue watching them. I think, I think the PGA is in a good spot because you have a lot yep. of good young players 
like Tom, like Thomas, like Johnson, uh, like Kepka that are really, and Bryson DeChambeau that are, you know, becoming the new faces of the game as Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and that kind of crew is starting to get older, but they're still relevant and kind of have both of them mm-hmm. coming together. So I think that the sport of golf is in a good place. Yeah. I think we need some more. It's cool. Like as anything s- sports, when you're trying to get market your sport and we need more guys, you can market one thing we know major league baseball has been really bad at. Um, but with golf, I think one thing you have opportunity now, like a Brooks Kepgro and Bryson DeChambeau, I find them, I figure they're like real bros, but like, I mean, I, and sometimes Brooks Kepka seems to have an attitude, but I'm nothing at least offensive, at least for me. I think it's cool that we need, that they have these players and they're also showing personalities, you know? Yeah, no, and that's a big part of it. Look, that's what makes the younger fan want to pay attention. And, you know, that's what you have to hope that all sports do. Um, I, I like during during the quarantine that the some of the golfers had those mic'd up rounds where they played with celebrities. And mm-hmm. those are cool. I mean, you can bet on them. You watch them play with a celebrity. You have them mic'd up. You listen to what they're saying. Uh, it gets more of the younger generation involved with the sport. So yeah, no, nah, it's very important. Cool, cool. How do you like it? What's going on with the UFC? Conor McGregor announces a new fight. Um, sadly, we lost. Uh, um, What's his name retired? I'm here and there with UFC, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Khabib sadly retired too. And uh, you liking what you're seeing from UFC? Not going to lie. I'm not big into UFC. Oh, you're not. Uh, My bad. I thought you were. <laughs> so I guess we're both trying to figure it out. Every every friend of mine is big into it. So I've kind of paid attention through that. Um, and then obviously in the, the sports gambling world, it's big. So it's cool to look at it from that perspective. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, McGregor is, is a terrific, terrific fighter and he's fun to watch. So yeah, as, as much as I'm not very into it, not very locked in at all times, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. And like, is there any other from the sports that we haven't mentioned? You're not a, you're not a WWE fan. I mean, that's not sports, but, or are you into tennis or <laughs> I don't know, NASCAR? Is there, did we, we hit all the, pretty much the the main topics of your interest regarding sports wise? I'm an Islanders fan. Um, oh yes. Can't miss the NHL. They were just a um, round away from the Stanley cup and seeing how, what um, Lou Amarillo has done. You're getting a new arena as well. Uh, you've been, you excited for the Islanders? Yeah, look, they have a great young core. Um, you know, you have one of the best coaches in the NHL and Barry Trotz, one of the best, executives in the NHL and Lamarillo. So yeah, no, I'm excited to see what they can do going to that new arena. They made it really far this year, which they could have gone a little farther, but they lost to the champs. So that's okay. Um, but yeah, no, that that's a really good team. And you know, when they lost John Tavares a couple of years ago, you're know, like, all right, what's next? But they, they've really developed some really good young players. Um, and they've got a good group going into next year as well. Oh yeah, and that's like, and I'm a Rangers fan, and uh, you know we're seeing a new era in ourselves. Um, for you know, we just got the first round draft pick. I'm just not even going to attempt to pronounce Arizona's name, but you know that's good. You know, it's now um, um, you know the Henrik Lundqvist Henrik Lundqvist era is over. I know he just recently got signed, but uh, we're seeing some cool stuff in there and. One of the relevant things James Dolan has, so uh, we'll see what happens. And you know, we did make the bubble. I mean, we got it. We were 
we just got in as we were by the time we got in we were already out but uh uh i gotta pay attention a little more with hockey i was really into it at one point especially it was old brian do when um you know they did make the cup at 14 against the kings when you had mcdonough and brad richards brian boyles and all those guys and uh i just need to get back into it and i plan to and you like and uh but besides the sports what other things you like brian are you into movies you into painting you into uh, gardening what are other some of your other uh interest in this world i'm genuinely interested it's not much <laughs> <laughs> no i mean look sports run, sports run my life um that's a that's a big thing i'm big into food um Ooh, really like i like cooking i like trying different stuff really um, say that's that's probably the next biggest hobby of mine maybe okay cooking what well like What's your special? You uh, you like to cook Italian? Do you like to do Asian foods? American? Uh, what what's your your breakfast? What's your specialty, if any? Or maybe you hit them all. Yeah, I mean, I kind of kind of try a lot of new things. I think now living on my own, I've been forced to try a lot of new things and try cooking new things and making new things. And um, so yeah, no, I've done a. And a lot. I think I make a pretty good bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Um, right. I kind of make that for myself almost every morning. Um, yeah, no, just just experimenting is, is fun, and I like to uh, try to make it picture perfect. So. Is there is there a food that's really difficult to chef up, and uh, but you're able to pull it off? I can't say I make the the hard things. No, so, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I'm not sure. What's what? So, and uh, is there anything you like? You hope to to get into? You want to learn how to make a great steak? I mean, when um, I know you uh, have a girlfriend, maybe you can make her a special thing when she comes visit you. Um, get some candlelits and stuff. Play a have a heart player in the background. You are gonna make it? You are trying to make something unique with that? I think I make a pretty good steak, right? Oh, pretty, really? Pretty that so? No, that yeah. sounds pretty complicated. See, you could do it. <laughs> It's, it's not as, you know, you, you can get some butter down on the pan. You keep, you know, putting it on top of the steak. I, I don't even know how to explain it. I just know how to do it from watching videos and stuff like that. But yeah, no, uh, the, the cooking from living on my own has definitely improved over the last couple of months. You know, you know, what's funny. I had a, my girlfriend at the time came over and I was saying, I'm going to make you like, I, I'm Italian. I like to make, I, I really like to make Italian foods and some are easier than others. Right. So I say, let me make you something. She came through. I convinced my parents to go away for the night and uh, my brothers did their thing. I make this ravioli dish and I go in. And I make the meatballs too myself, right? And to be fair, I know how to make ravioli from scratch, but it literally will take you an entire day. Um, once you get your pasta, and then you put the ricotta, and then you roll it and whatnot. So I make it. It looks pretty good. I go out and get the special thing of wine. You know, make the dinner. She's so happy. We go through the whole night. Dream notebook moments. Too bad we don't have any more of those moments anymore since we don't date it anymore. But uh. So it was like a day later, right? She tells me, I was like, oh, I'm glad. I was talking about, oh, I hope you like the food I cooked for you and everything. And she says, I know you just put, I know you just boil water and throw the water in there. I'm like, come on, even that's true. Give me some slack. But <laughs> for the next one, whoever the next one in my life, I'm going to chef it up and make them jealous. 
There you go. But um, yeah, man, we've been killing it for an hour and a half, Brian. I just want to ask you, just do this last part that I've been doing with ending the podcast, if you're ready. It's called the Prouse Questionnaire from Inside the Actor Studio, if you happen to be familiar with it. Adapted from an old French TV show. Well, this is great. So I'm going to ask you just nine rapid fire, but kind of cool and deep questions. And then uh, we'll say our goodbyes. So first things first, Brian, the famous Brian sport, Brian Schwartz of WHSV. Tell me, excuse me. uh, Why is my thing not pulling up? But here it is. My first question for you on the press questionnaire. Tell me, Brian, what is your favorite word? <laughs> Simple as that. My favorite word? Yep. I have no idea. You have no idea? Sports. Sports? That's a great one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Number two, what is your least favorite word? Uh, politics. <laughs> Tell me about it. Number three. And when I ask this, this isn't necessarily a sexual question, but when I ask it, some people get a little too personal with that. And that's fine. It's funny content, but this is just a general question. What turns you on? The Mets winning the World Series. Perfect answer. What turns you off? The Mets not making the playoffs. Hear that. Number five. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, sound or noise? The CBS NFL theme song. Now that's a good one. That's a good one, right? There you go. I like that. My favorite one of the sports related is um, Sunday Night Countdown when they have the the very special highlight reel. You know, there you go. You can't go wrong with any of those. Right. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? My alarm clock. <laughs> I really adapt with mine. I hear you. Number seven. What is your favorite curse word? Uh, you mean which one I use the most? Um, well, I mean, it could be that or uh, just like, what's your favorite? And uh, I mean, there's not really much to choose from, but. Go with the, go with the S word. S word? Okay. Sure. That's actually the first one who said that in this that I've asked. So. It's always about being unique. This is a good one. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I don't know. Like a CEO of something, maybe? The CEO. Awesome. CEO of Schwartz LLC. We'll go with that. All right, number nine. What profession would you not like to do? Politics. Politics. All right. And my last question for the day before we say goodbye, Brian. If heaven exists, what would you like God to hear you say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. All right. Well, Brian, what have we learned today? We talked about your rise in the world of journalism. Talked about your experience in radio. You hit every sports topic known to man. And we learned about your cooking, a lot of good stuff. Is there anything you want to say before uh, we sign off here? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. It was fun. 
Oh, yeah. So, Brian, seriously, you have a lot of my respect. Even if we butt heads in that group chat, it's all for fun, and we both it's know it is. it is. So, But seriously, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I genuinely am proud of you, of what you've been doing. And even after this, I'm still going to be following you and giving as much good looks as I can, as long as I remember to in that chat. But um, seriously, Brian, you were fantastic. I had nothing but a pleasure. And I hope we could do this again. And maybe one day soon, before we know it, we can meet in person. So thank you so much again, Brian. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. All right. You're a good man. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. And there you have it, folks. He is part of the future of sports broadcasting. Whether it's radio or the television or streaming or radio, we will definitely see more of Brian Schwartz. And I'd like to give an immense thank you to him. And he certainly has my respect. He's going places. Great job, Brian. And with that, we have one more episode until Thanksgiving. We have one more episode this week until the Thanksgiving holiday. It comes out this Wednesday with my buddy Joe Del Rio, a rising star in the real estate world. And we just talk about all the crazy things that make Joe, Joe. So check that out on Wednesday and all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And please continue to check out the tweet cap with me and Ryan Page. That drops every Friday. So I appreciate you all. I love you all. I can't wait to see all of you go far in your life and places. But for now, I just appreciate you tuning in for the Productive Conversations podcast. Again, thank you for my guest, Brian Schwartz, today. And I hope you all stay safe out there. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thank you so much, everybody. Peace. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.